Training camp for the Hamilton Ticats opens this weekend. This weekend, which means we are just weeks away from the first football game at Tim Hortons Field and around the rest of the country, quite honestly. Here to uh, chat a little Ticat football, Drew Edwards, the uh, spectator beat writer, the author of Scratching Post, the owner and operator and uh, whatever else of Three Down Nation. Drew, have I forgotten anything? Chief bottle washer. I okay. think it should be in there somewhere. We'll throw that in there as well. Your, your business card is going to be a fold-out soon. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Cat training camp opens on Sunday, and I think that it's probably uh, kind of an understatement to say the biggest question mark that this team is going to have right now is at quarterback. Zach Caleros is not back from his screwed-up knee. Um who who do we have now as the leader to hold the fort while Calero still recovers? Who's going to be that guy, do you think? Well, I, I think there's two guys, right? I mean, there's there's Jeff Matthews, who was the number two last year behind Caleros and took over when Caleros initially got hurt. And then you have Jeremiah Mazzoli, who took over from uh, Matthews when he got hurt and played you know pretty well. In, uh, in the playoffs in particular and, and very well in the loss to Ottawa in the Eastern Finals. So I, I think the competition is going to be between those two guys. Uh, and, you know, their play in training camp and in the preseason will dictate who starts the season as, as the number one. The interesting thing about those two guys, though, is they both at times, and you refer to Mazzoli, how well he played in that playoff, they both had flashes of brilliance, and they both had moments that had fans like just wanting to pull their hair out because they it just went sour. Is there the one thing that separates the great quarterbacks in the CFL, or one of the things it is, is consistency? Is there reason to believe that with that experience under their belt and another year behind them, that one of them could find that kind of consistency that you could feel very confident going into the start of the year and every game after that until Caleros is back? Uh, the short answer to that is no. Uh, I think that what you get from quarterbacks is they have a tendency to make better decisions and to play more consistently the more they play. So if you look at the career trajectories of guys like Foley by Mitchell, of um, Mike Riley, of Zach Caleros, you know, the young quarterbacks in this league, uh, they struggled out of the gate with their learning curve as they uh, developed. And then after a certain period of time, whether it be um, half a season or a season or, or in Gary Durant's case, a bit longer than that, uh, they, they developed that consistency that just comes with playing. Your decision-making gets better. The game slows down. And you, you just become the quarterback that, that you were meant to become. I think the difficulty with Matthews and Mazzoli is that their playing time is limited, right? Uh, Matthews has started five games, and Mazzoli, I think, has started you know, two games and relieved in, in a number of others. But they don't have a, a vast um, background of playing experience in the CFL, and there's no way to replicate that stuff. There's so, no way to advance the learning curve. So does that mean, then, that ideally, if, if, if it could be done ideally, when Kent Austin, when one of these guys wins the job coming out of training camp, because someone has to start the first game, that Kent Austin should say, you know what, I'm going to ride this guy, and if we have some blips, if we have some hiccups for the start of the year, I'm not going to pull him, I'm going to let him stay out there, and I'm going to ride him and let him try and figure this out. Well, that, that's one... Uh, approach uh, y- using both their skill sets is another approach, and we've seen 
Austin is at in the past. If you remember uh, the Henry Burris, Dan Lefebvre thing uh, back in, what, 2013, uh, Austin's first season where they, they utilized, uh, you know, Mazzoli and, and Dan Lefebvre in certain packages that they felt were effective. That could be a potential solution as well, where you see guys like, you know, Matthews play some and Mazzoli play some because their skill sets are, are quite different. But will he ride one guy? Um, through the learning curve, I, that, that's hard to say, right? I mean, I think it's, it, it, it has to do with the degree of struggles that you're looking at, too, right? I mean, you know, a guy that makes a couple of bad decisions but they're still winning games is one thing. A guy that's turning the ball over at a prestigious rate is another, right? And that, was, that is the thing that will get either one of these quarterbacks yanked faster than anything else, and that's turnovers, right? I think Austin will put up with – with a lot of things, but if you make poor decisions and turn the football over, uh, he, he will look to correct that very quickly. And if that means playing another guy, then that's what it means. One of the really interesting things about this whole Zach Calero situation, and, and you and I were actually talking about this at the office today, um, we have seen in this area Marcus Stroman come back from a torn ACL and perform very, very well for the Blue Jays. And oh, he was at, what, six months, something like that. Has he created basically a false uh, baseline for recovery time for this? So people are looking at Calero saying, well, why are you not coming back yet? Because, you know, you've had lots of time, and it's just a different world from what Marcus Stroman was doing? Well, look, I think that there are guys who are at the at the front end of the recovery curve, guys like Stroman and Adrian Peterson at, uh, of the Minnesota Vikings would be another one where those guys sort of set the bar for everyone and say, well, you know, they came back in six months and, and that, and so there is a portion of the fan base that says, well, if those guys can do that, then why can't everybody else? Exactly. Right. But it, look, every, I think most, uh, you know, if you do a bit more reading and, and sort of are around this stuff enough, you realize that every re- person's recovery time from these injuries is different. And that while Peterson and Stroman were able to do it six months, that the average recovery time is more, along the lines of 8 to 12 to 18 months, depending on setbacks, depending on the individual, depending on all kinds of other factors. So, uh, you know, will again, I think that, that people's interest in Caleros' recovery will be high, certainly, and I think that interest will be heightened if the Ticats struggle early, right? If, if the quarterback play out of the gate is, is not what fans hope it will be, then... I think people will take a much more vested interest in how Zach Claros' recovery is coming along. But when do we expect him back, by the way? Do we, we, do we have a date yet? No, we don't. And, and I don't think anybody, anybody that tells you that they know is, is you know, I, I don't think they know, right? I mean, I think Claro, every indication is that, that Claros is on track, um, but what that means exactly uh, is, is tough to tell. I, I you know, you, you, it's a progression, right? You, you do, you do the strengthening exercises. The volume goes down. You know, you move on to certain drills. Uh, you start to do lateral movement. You have your checkups. And he's going through all that stuff, and and all indications are that's all going perfectly fine. But you know, there can be swelling. There can be setbacks. Um, and you got to be able to take a hit. Right. Exactly. And then you, and then once the physical part of it's done, you, you, then you have to get back into game shape. You have to practice. You have to. You know, get, get back into speed in that regard. Don't forget that that, that Claros' regular training regimen has been disrupted by this knee injury, right? So his normal 
routine of throwing and lifting and all the things you would do in the offseason. Well, he hasn't been able to do any of that. So uh, that, that's going to be a factor as well. And um, getting him up to speed in the game plan, they got a new offensive coordinator. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different moving parts involved in bringing a guy back from an injury like this. So uh, anybody that says, well, Claros is going to be back, you know, the third week of August, I mean, I don't think anybody can say that. He's going to be back when he's back. And, and there could be a setback at any time. There could be swelling at any time. There could be any number of things that could, that could derail uh, or delay the recovery process. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we have a, a firm timetable, and I don't think there can be one. It's just not like that. Let's jump to the next thing you just mentioned there, the offensive coordinator. I, I personally have enormous confidence in Steph Potasik. I've seen enough of him at McMaster that I really believe he will figure this out and he will be a good CFL offensive coordinator. That said, everybody, I don't care what job you are, everybody needs some kind of time to adjust when you're taking a step up or doing something different like this. How long do you think it takes for an offensive coordinator to actually get his hands and, and get a real feel for a new offense? Well, the, this situation is very unique, Scott, in the sense that most offensive coordinators that come into a situation bring their own offense and their own offensive philosophy with them, right? And then they w- work with the head coach and the, other, and the personnel that they have and the staff that they have, and then they, they implement that, that philosophy, right? Uh, and, and most coordinators at the professional level, that, that's how it operates. But that's not the situation. Claire, you know, Caleros. Uh, Potastic is coming into a situation where the offensive system is already built and installed, and he's got to learn that system. And, in fact, you know, the quarterbacks and all the veteran players, they'll all be further ahead in the learning curve than Potastic in some respects as he gets up to speed on this. So it's a, it's a pretty unique situation in that, you know, he's got to learn an offensive system in order to become a tr- a, the true offensive coordinator. Um, how long that's going to take, uh, you know, I think there's, there's all kinds of factors in that, in that too. Uh, obviously, uh, every indication is that Patasic's going to put in the, the work necessary to get to speed as fast as possible. But there's also, there's also other elements, right? There's developing a working relationship with the assistant coaches. There's developing a working relationship with Austin. Uh, there's developing the trust and respect of, of players. Um, which for Potastic, uh, you know, he'll have he'll have to earn that, right? Respect's not not given automatically to to coaches necessarily, and in Potastic's case, because he's a CIS guy and largely unknown in the pro ranks, he'll have to earn the respect of, of professional players, right? And which isn't to say he's going to be able to do that, but he will, I think, and everybody believes that he will. But that does take time, right? Um, he's not a guy that comes in with an NFL resume, who is a known name, who played a long time in the league, uh, all the things that resonate instantly with, with players. He's a guy that has had some success at the CIS level, a lot of success at the CIS level, but the vast majority of players coming into camp will have never heard of Seth Patton. And the funny part about this, the funny part about this is the guy that he has in that dressing room who will be vouching for him the hardest, which will be Mike Daly, is actually on the other side of the ball. So so it's so he's got he's got the defenders in there among the players. It's just how much say does does Daly have to actually convince the other players? He you're right. He's going to have to completely prove it. There's no there's no sales job. Uh, well, on this topic, have you figured out how to spell Potassic yet? Um, yes, I think I have. <laughs> I, 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 how many tries? Uh, well, I had to figure out like a little a little thing in my head that worked right. Uh, so I think it's you know P-tass 
E-K, right? That's how I figured it out. Uh, and once I, it, I, 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 similar problems with Figueroa, uh, you know, Tolliver, I also have, you have to remember. Belfay was uh, no treat. One, uh, there's just, you know, Orlando, Steinhauer's got nothing but O's in it. You can't spell Orlando. But you, like, there's all, there's, there, there, there are these minefields everywhere, Scott. That's all I can say. Have the Ticats got a kicker yet? Uh, well, they've got two kickers, I think, uh, at least two. Um, my, it hasn't been officially announced, but I would expect it, uh, as I reported earlier, that uh, Brett Mahar uh, and Cody Mundell will be in camp. Um, so Mahar kicked for the Red Blacks in 2014 and then came back to training camp in 2015, but he had a, a hip problem and uh, punted a few games last year, but was essentially – um, you know, didn't didn't see a lot of action, and this Cody Mandel kid uh, kicked at Alabama, and uh, yeah, gr- great leg. We saw both of them at, uh, at rookie camp. Uh, you know, Mahar's got more experience. Um, Mandel, I think, more of a raw talent, a little bit of an unknown. Um, but those are the two guys that I've I've heard will be at camp for sure. Whether they add a third guy remains to be seen. There were a couple other guys. Del- Alvarado is another guy. He's signed with an Arena League team. So I don't think he's in the mix. Uh, Ray Early was another guy that took a look at. I know they took a look at a ton of guys, right? But at this point, those are the only two names I know for sure are coming. So I think they're going to have a kicking competition at camp, and whoever kicks best in uh, in uh, in training camp, and particularly in the preseason, will uh, like the quarterbacks uh, earn the starting job. I got to believe that Diakowski is lobbying to have a crack at that kicking thing. Let let the offensive lineman have a shot at it, where, and see if we can win it. You know, where's, where's Dave Stallow when you need him? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> Drew, I, got, I literally have a minute, so 30 seconds on each of these. Um, what is, going into training camp, what is the strength of the Hamilton Ticats this year? Uh, the, well, I, I like the receiving core. Um, I think you, Ted Dawson has shown that he's a pretty darn good coach, regardless of the circumstances. Orlando Steinauer has uh, been a very solid defensive coordinator. They've got some nice pieces on defense. Um, still got banks, and I, you know, I, I, so you've got a bunch of little pieces, uh, and you've got a really solid organization and coaching staff to sort of build around. I, I think they've got some talent. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together. What is the concern going into training camp for this roster, other than quarterback? I mean, quarterback's an obvious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, quarterback, and I, I think I, you know, I'm not 100% certain how the guys are going to play their duration, right? So, Injury to Craig Butler, all-star safety, he's going to miss most of the season, um, means the Tigers got to figure out where they're going to start seven Canadians. We know they're going to start three on the offensive line, and we know they're going to start Ted Laurent. That's four. Um, after that, you know, you've got a, a number of different options. Receivers, one option. They could start two there. They could start two defensive tackles. Uh, they've got Courtney Stevens. They play, do they start two in the secondary? Does Mike Daly move up to the starting job? Um, but it, but it isn't. There's nothing automatic about it. So that's a decision they got to make. And and look, man, I, this is one of the very unsexy things with the Canadian Football League. But uh, those seven Canadians make a huge difference on Indeed. the overall quality of your football team. That's uh, how teams are built. Absolutely. Seven out. So how the tech gets do that's going to make a huge difference in how successful they are. If people want to see opening day of training camp, Drew, uh, what time does it start? It's at, it's at the Ron Joyce Field at McMaster. What time would they get there if they want to watch the first day? Uh, well, I think it's uh, 8.30 a.m. on Sunday. It runs till uh, 12.30, I think. There you so, go. Big, long day. It should be nice. Admission so, is free. The weather is supposed to be beautiful. There's football back in town. Drew, appreciate you doing this tonight. Thanks so much. 
Thanks, Oscar.